part three of the light invisible by robert hugh benson this librivox recording is in the public domain part three poena damni all their sins stand before them and produce in their essences remorse eternal despair and a hostile will against god for such a soul there is no remedy it cannot come into the light of god even if st peter had left many thousand keys upon earth not a single one of them could open heaven for it a german mystic we were sitting at dinner one evening when the priest who had been talkative seemed to fall into a painful train of thought that silenced him he grew more and more ill at ease and was obviously relieved when i threw my cigarette away and he was able to propose a move to the next room presently his distress seemed to pass and then as we sat near the fireplace he explained himself i must ask your pardon he said but somehow i fell into a very dreadful train of thought it was suggested to me i think by the red lamp on the table and the evening light through the windows and the silver and glass you know the power of association i went through one of the most fearful moments of my life under just those circumstances i was silent as the priest seemed to have more to say it has affected my nerves he said and it would be rather a relief to tell you would you mind if i did so on my assurance that it would greatly interest me he began it is a fashion among those who do not really accept revelation as revelation to believe in a kind of universalism quite apart from authority this doctrine contravenes as you of course know the reality of man's free will the incident of which i wish to tell you concerns the way in which i first caught a glimpse of that for myself a good many years ago i made the acquaintance of a man in the west of england under circumstances that i need not describe further than saying that he seemed to have confidence in me he asked me to stay with him in his country house and i went down from london for the inside of a week i found him living the usual country life fishing and so forth for it was summer when i visited him it was a fine old house that he lived in surrounded by coverts he had a charming wife and two or three children and at first i thought him extremely happy and contented then i thought that i noticed that things were not so well with him the cottages on his estate were ill cared for and that is always a bad sign from one or two small signs such as you can guess i found that the tone among his servants was not what it should be and one or two horrid pieces of cruelty came under my notice i know this sounds as if i were a sort of spy greedy for information but all that i can say is that these signs were unmistakable and obvious and came to me of course unsought and unexpected then i saw that his domestic relations were not right i do not know how else to describe all this than by saying that there seemed a kind of blight upon his surroundings nothing was absolutely wrong and yet all was just wrong at first i thought that i myself was depressed or jaundiced in some way but at last i could not continue to believe that and on the friday of my stay the last day i became finally certain that something was horribly wrong with the man himself then that evening he opened his heart to me so far as it was possible for him to do so 
his wife with the two daughters had left us after dessert and gone into the garden and we remained in the dining-room the windows looked to the west across a smooth sloping lawn with the lake at the end beyond that rose up a delicate birch wood and beyond that again a soft green sky where the sun had set deepening into a liquid evening blue overhead in which a star or two glimmered i could see as i looked out the white figures of his wife and daughters against the shining surface of the lake at the end of the lawn after he had lit his cigarette and had a glass or two of wine suddenly he opened his heart to me and told me an appalling story that i could not tell you i sat and watched his strong sinewy hand rise and fall with the cigarette under the red lamplight i glanced at his quiet well-bred face with the downcast eyes and the long moustache and i wondered whether it was possible really for such a tale to be true but he spoke with a restrained conviction that left no room for doubt what i gathered from the story was this that he had identified himself his whole will his whole life practically with the cause of satan i could not detect as he talked that he had ever seriously attempted to detach himself from that cause it has been said that a saint is one who always chooses the better of the two courses open to him at every step so far as i could see this man had always chosen the worse of the two courses when he had done things that you and i would think right he had always done them for some bad reason he had been continuously aware too of what was happening i do not think that i have ever heard such a skilful self-analysis now and then as i saw the gulf of despair towards which his talk was leading i interrupted him suggesting alleviations of the horror suggesting that he was pessimistic that he had acted often under misconceptions and the like but he always met me with a quiet answer that silenced me in fact said the priest who was beginning to tremble a little i have never thought it possible that a heart could be so corrupt and yet retain so much knowledge and feeling when he had finished his story he looked at me for a moment and then said lately i have seen what i have lost and what i shall lose and i have told you this to ask if the christian gospel has any hope for such as i am of course i answered as a christian priest must answer for i honestly thought here was the greatest miracle of god's grace that i had ever seen when i had finished i lifted my eyes from the cloth and looked up his fingers while i was speaking had been playing with an apostle spoon but as i looked up he looked up too and our eyes met as the priest said this he got up and leaned his head against the high oak mantelpiece and was silent a moment then he went on god forgive me if i was wrong if i am wrong now but this is what i think i saw out of his eyes looked a lost soul as a symbol or a sign too his eyes shone suddenly with that dull red light that you may see sometimes in a dog's eyes it was the poena damni of which i had read which shone there it was true as he had said that he was seeing clearly what he had lost and would lose it was the gate of heaven opening to one who could not enter it it was the chink of light under the door to one who cried lord lord open to me 
but through the door there came that answer i know you not ah it was not that he had never known before what god was and his service and love it was just his condemnation that he had known that he had seen not once or twice but again and again the two ways and had not once nor twice but again and again chosen the worse of those two and now he was powerless i tell you i saw this for a moment there was this human face so well-bred with its delicate lines looking almost ethereal in the soft red light of the lamp behind him between the windows hung a portrait of an ancestor some old caroline divine in ruff and bands through the windows was that sweet glory of evening with the three figures by the lake here between us was the delicate soothing luxury of cleanliness and coolness and refreshment such as glass and silver and fruit suggest and there for one second in this frame of beauty and peace looked the eyes of one who desired even a drop of living water to cool his tongue for he was tormented in a flame and i saw all this and then the room began to swim and whirl and the table to tilt and sway and i fell i suppose forward and sank down onto the floor when i recovered there were the men in the room and the anxious face of my host looking down on me i had to return to town the next morning i wrote to him a long letter the following week saying that i had been ill on the evening on which he had given me his confidence and that i had not said all that i could say and i went on giving the lie to what i had thought i had seen speaking to him as i should speak to any soul who was weary of sin and desired god indeed i thought it most possible as i wrote the letter that i had had a terrible delusion and that all could be well with him i got an answer of a few lines saying that he must apologize for having troubled me with such a story adding that he had greatly exaggerated his own sin that he too had been overexcited and unwell and that he too trusted in a god of love and begging me not to refer to the conversation again the priest sat down again now you may of course accept this version of it if you will i only would to god that i could too consolatrix afflictorum should it be burdensome for thee she will for thy sake herself raise me up when i chance to fall and console me when sorrowing st leander of seville the following letter will explain itself the original was read to me by my friend on one of those days during my stay with him and he allowed me at my request to make a copy the sermon referred to in the first sentence of the letter was preached in a foreign watering place on christmas day villa blanc december twenty nine eighteen blanc reverend and dear sir i listened with great attention to your sermon on christmas day i am getting on in years and i am an invalid so you will understand that i have few friends and i think none who would not think me mad if i told them the story that i am proposing to tell you for many years i have been silent on this subject since it always used to be received with incredulity but i fancy that you will not be incredulous 
as i watched you and listened to you on christmas day i thought i saw in you one to whom the supernatural was more than a beautiful and symbolical fairy story and one who held it not impossible that this unseen should sometimes manifest itself as you reminded us the religion of the incarnation rests on the fact that the infinite and the eternal expresses himself in terms of space and time and that it is in this that the greatness of the love of god consists since then as you said the creation the incarnation and the sacramental system alike in various degree are the manifestation of god under these conditions surely it cannot be materialistic whatever that exactly means to believe that the spiritual world and the personages that inhabit it sometimes express themselves in the same manner as their maker however will you have patience with me while i tell you this story i cannot believe that such a grace should be kept in darkness i was about seven years old when my mother died and my father left me chiefly to the care of servants either i must have been a difficult child or my nurse must have been a hard woman but i never gave her my confidence i had clung to my mother as a saint clings to god and when i lost her it nearly broke my heart night after night i used to lie awake with the firelight in the room remembering how she would look in on her way to bed when at last i slept it seems to me now as if i never did anything but dream of her and it was only to wake again to that desolate emptiness i would torture myself by closing my eyes and fancying she was there and then opening them and seeing the room empty i would turn and toss and sob without a sound i suppose that i was as near the limit that divides sanity from madness as it is possible to be during the day i would sit on the stairs when i could get away from my nurse and pretend that my mother's footsteps were moving overhead that her door opened that i heard her dress on the carpet again i would open my eyes and in self-cruelty compel myself to understand that she was gone then again i would tell myself that it was all right that she was away for the day but would come back at night in the evenings i would be happier as the time for her return drew nearer even when i said my prayers i would look forward to the moment into which i had cheated myself in believing when the door would open after i was in bed and my mother look in then as the time passed my false faith would break down and i would sob myself to sleep dream of her and sob myself awake again as i look back it appears to me as if this went on for months i suppose however in reality it could not have been more than a very few weeks or my reason would have given way and at last i was caught on the edge of the precipice and drawn lovingly back to safety and peace i used to sleep alone in the night nursery at this time and my nurse occupied a room opening out of it the night nursery had two doors one at the foot of my bed and one at the farther end of the room in the corner diagonally opposite to that in which the head of my bed stood the first opened upon the landing and the second into my nurse's room and this latter was generally kept a few inches open there was no light in my room but a night light was kept burning in the nurse's room so that even without the firelight my room was not in total darkness 
i was lying awake one night i suppose it would be about eleven o'clock having gone through a dreadful hour or two of misery half waking and half sleeping i had been crying quietly for fear my nurse would hear through the partly open door burying my hot face in the pillow i was feeling really exhausted listening to my own heart and cheating myself into the half-faith that its throbs were the footsteps of my mother coming towards my room i had raised my face and was staring at the door at the foot of my bed when it opened suddenly without a sound and there as i thought my mother stood with the light from the oil lamp outside shining upon her she was dressed it seemed as once before i had seen her in london when she came into my room to bid me good-night before she went out to an evening party her head shone with jewels that flashed as the firelight rose and sank in the room a dark cloak shrouded her neck and shoulders one hand held the edge of the door and a great jewel gleamed on one of her fingers she seemed to be looking at me i sat up in bed in a moment amazed but not frightened for was it not what i had so often fancied and i called out to her mother mother at the word she turned and looked on to the landing and gave a slight movement with her head as if to someone waiting there either of assent or dismissal and then turned to me again the door closed silently and i could see in the firelight and in the faint glimmer that came through the other door that she held out her arms to me i threw off the bedclothes in a moment and scrambled down to the end of the bed and she lifted me gently in her arms but said no word i too said nothing but she raised the cloak a little and wrapped it around me and i lay there in bliss my head on her shoulder and my arm around her neck she walked smoothly and noiselessly to a rocking-chair that stood beside the fire and sat down and then began to rock gently to and fro now it may be difficult to believe but i tell you that i neither said anything nor desired to say anything it was enough that she was there after a little while i suppose i fell asleep for i found myself in an agony of tears and trembling again but those arms held me firmly and i was soon at peace still she spoke no word and i did not see her face when i woke again she was gone and it was morning and i was in bed and the nurse was drawing up the blind and the winter sunshine lay on the wall that day was the happiest i had known since my mother's death for i knew she would come again after i was in bed that evening i lay awake waiting so full of happy content and certainty that i fell asleep when i awoke the fire was out and there was no light but a narrow streak that came through the door from my nurse's room i lay there a minute or two waiting expecting every moment to see the door open at the foot of my bed but the minutes passed and then the clock in the hall below beat three then i fell into a passion of tears the night was nearly gone and she had not come to me then as i tossed to and fro trying to stifle my crying through my tears there came the misty flash of light as the door opened and there she stood again once again i was in her arms and my face on her shoulder and again i fell asleep there now this went on night after night but not every night and never unless i awoke and cried 
it seemed that if i needed her desperately she came but only then but there were two curious incidents that occurred in the order in which i will write them down the second i understand now at any rate the first i have never altogether understood or rather there are several possible explanations one night as i lay in her arms by the fire a large coal suddenly slipped from the grate and fell with a crash awaking the nurse in the other room i suppose she thought something was wrong for she appeared at the door with a shawl over her shoulders holding the night light in one hand and shading it with the other i was going to speak when my mother laid her hand across my mouth the nurse advanced into the room passed close beside us apparently without seeing us went straight to the empty bed looked down on the tumbled clothes and then turned away as if satisfied and went back to her room the next day i managed to elicit from her by questioning the fact that she had been disturbed in the night and had come into my room but had seen me sleeping quietly in bed the other incident was as follows one night i was lying half dozing against my mother's breast my head against her heart and not as i usually lay with my head on her shoulder as i lay there it seemed to me as if i heard a strange sound like the noise of the sea in a shell but more melodious it is difficult to describe it but it was like the murmuring of a far-off crowd overlaid with musical pulsations i nestled closer to her and listened and then i could distinguish i thought innumerable ripples of church bells pealing as if from another world then i listened more intently to the other sound there were words but i could not distinguish them again and again a voice seemed to rise above the others but i could hear no intelligible words the voices cried in every sort of tone passion content despair monotony and then as i listened i fell asleep as i look back now i have no doubt what voices those were that i heard and now comes the end of the story my health began to improve so remarkably that those about me noticed it i never gave way during the day at any rate to those old piteous imaginings and at night when i suppose the will partly relaxes its control whenever my distress reached a certain point she was there to comfort me but her visits grew more and more rare as i needed her less and at last ceased but it is of her last visit which took place in the spring of the following year that i wish to speak i had slept well all night but had awakened in the dark just before the dawn from some dream which i forget but which left my nerves shaken when in my terror i cried out again the door opened and she was there she stood with the jewels in her hair and the cloak across her shoulders and the light from the landing lay partly on her face i scrambled at once down the bed and was lifted and carried to the chair and presently fell asleep when i awoke the dawn had come and the birds were stirring and chirping and a pleasant green light was in the room and i was still in her arms it was the first time except in the instance i have mentioned that i had awakened except in bed and it was a great joy to find her there as i turned a little i saw the cloak which sheltered us both of a deep blue with an intricate pattern of flowers and leaves and birds among branches 
then i turned still more to see her face which was so near me but it was turned away and even as i moved she rose and carried me towards the bed still holding me on her left arm she lifted and smoothed the bedclothes and then laid me gently in bed with my head on the pillow and then for the first time i saw her face plainly she bent over me with one hand on my breast as if to prevent me from rising and looked straight into my eyes and it was not my mother there was one moment of blinding shock and sorrow and i gave a great sob and would have risen in bed but her hand held me down and i seized it with both my own and still looked in her eyes it was not my mother and yet was there ever such a mother's face as that i seemed to be looking into depths of indescribable tenderness and strength and i leaned on that strength in those moments of misery i gave another sob or two as i looked but i was quieter and at last peace came to me and i had learnt my lesson i did not at the time know who she was but my little soul dimly saw that my own mother for some reason could not at that time come to me who needed her so sorely and that another great mother had taken her place yet after the first moment or so i felt no anger or jealousy for one who had looked into that kindly face could have no such unworthy thought then i lifted my head a little i remember and kissed the hand that i held in my own reverently and slowly i do not know why i did it except that it was the natural thing to do the hand was strong and white and delicately fragrant then it was withdrawn and she was standing by the door and the door was open and then she was gone and the door was closed i have never seen her since but i have never needed to see her for i know who she is and please god i shall see her again and next time i hope my mother and i will be together and perhaps it will not be very long and perhaps she will allow me to kiss her hand again now my dear sir i do not know how all this will appear to you it may seem to you though i do not think it will merely childish yet in a sense i desire nothing more than that for our saviour himself told us to be like children and our saviour too once lay on his mother's breast i know that i am getting an old man and that old men are sometimes very foolish but it more and more seems to me that experience as well as his words tells me that the great kingdom of heaven has a low and narrow door that only little children can enter and that we must become little again and drop all our bundles if we would go through that dear and reverend sir is my story and may i ask you to remember me sometimes at the altar and in your prayers for surely god will ask much from one to whom he has given so much and as yet i have nothing to show for it and my time must be nearly at an end even if his infinite patience is not believe me yours faithfully blank and blank end of part three